0: asia tech podcast with graham brown and michael
1: Waits. hi this is michael waits from asia tech podcast stories and i'm being joined by bart bellers bart is the founder and ceo of expedite ventures and after a long and storied career of innovation and investing bart has decided to stake out on his own and start expedite ventures bart it's nice to have you
0: hi michael nice to be here thank you very much (laughs) it's great to talk to you again yeah, it was amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, do you want to give me a little bit of background on how we got to here? Maybe just a little bit of history about who you are and what you've been doing up until now, and then what you think Expedite Ventures is going to be and how it's going to sort of change the landscape of venture capital in Southeast Asia. Because I think there's a real story there, actually.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank um, you. Well, let's let's let let's first see maybe again going a little bit back in in, in history. Take um, uh, I'm Bart Bellers, I'm 47 years old. Um, I've done different roles in different industries. Um, but I think the most relevant for this is the 14 years that I worked for, uh, Amadeus IT group for those people that do not know Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus is the, let's say the most important leading player in uh, travel technology worldwide. So it's powering the, the booking systems behind the airlines, the big online travel agencies like Expedia, etc. et cetera. Uh, and during those 14 years, it's been uh, it's been a crazy ride. Um, I've been mainly doing executive roles, executive functions, uh, director of business development, innovation, e-travel, setting up e-commerce uh, business units, etc. Um, in the last, let's say, two years, in 2015, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, to come to Bangkok. Um, I was asked by uh, our vice president of corporate strategy to uh, to look at innovation in a different way. And try it out in Asia Pacific. And ultimately that resulted into me getting completely embraced and entrenched into the startup ecosystem um, as I launched uh, Amadeus Next, which ultimately became the leading travel tech community in Asia Pacific. So let's say that's my uh, professional background in a nutshell. Um, Maybe before Amadeus, I came from the uh, IT industry. Um, I uh, co-founded, let's say, a... um, the first integrated supply chain for uh, computer hard- hardware, which was at that time uh, an opportunity for Hewlett-Packard to, to, to go direct against Dell. And before that, I even learned the art of making coffee. I worked five years for a coffee roaster, uh, Cafe Kimbo. Um, so if you don't catch me with a beer, being a Belgian, you will definitely catch me with an espresso. <laughs>
1: I'm not even sure how to follow that. Um, What it means really is that you've had sort of executive experience but also customer service experience. I guess that's fair to say. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you learned? It's really interesting to me. What you learned in those two years where you were basically setting up Amadeus Next and what, you know, you said you look at innovation in a a different way. So Mm -hmm. how how do those two things come together? and What is that different way that you look at innovation and particularly in the context of the way other people do in this region?
0: Yes. Um, so the, the innovation that I, I, I experienced was, of course, the innovation within a corporation initially, uh, a large corporation. And innovation in a corporation, and, and, and this is not specifically to Amadeus, this is in, in, in all corporations worldwide, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and, and more and more corporations see that the, to really succeed in innovation, you, you have to look outside. Huh? So you have to move closer to the source of innovation, being in this time, it, it's clearly startups. And um, the learnings that I had for the last 14 years in the travel technology, in innovation, um, when I I was able to take those learnings and bring them into Asia Pacific, and when I was walking around, because I don't think innovation you can do inside in an office, so you have to get outside, and the first six months I was traveling a lot uh, throughout Asia Pacific, I've been everywhere, let's say, And mainly I was looking at the non travel related conferences, events, meetups, etc. To look at what is cooking in this, in this region. And there was one thing that uh, astonished me a bit that when you went into uh, Echelon or Tech in Asia or Rise in Hong Kong, you saw these big verticals, fintech, education tech, health tech. (coughs) And I said like, hey, where is travel tech? Well, somewhere in a corner you could find maybe 10 or 15 travel startups. So what's the reason being the travel at that moment working for, for Amadeus, of course, that was a key question I asked myself. And um, I started talking, I mean, in a lean startup mode, rather than thinking what would be the reason. I started talking to the startups, to the VCs, to accelerators, and quickly it became uh, evident that there are not enough travel tech startups that are really making a difference. The travel tech startups that you will see, they don't really grasp the industry. They they all come, I mean, everybody has a say on travel, right? Everybody has has gone on a holiday and everybody thinks they know what is travel and what are the problems in travel. So suddenly if you have such a problem and you're a startup, you're an entrepreneur, you have a passion, what you do, oh, I'm going to solve this problem for the world. Well, great, maybe you find problem solution fit because there will definitely be people that have had that same problem. But maybe the market, the industry, doesn't really see this as a huge problem. So finding product market fit might be hard.
1: Do you want to give an example of that? Because I think you're making a really good point. But I'd like to sort of give the audience an example. Because I, I think I have a, a reason that you won't disagree with this as to why people are afraid maybe of approaching travel tech in the proper way. But I want to understand, like, if you just give me an example of someone's developing a product and yet yeah. the market doesn't really need I'm it right. or the That's industry right. doesn't need
0: it. Exactly. So so i give you an example of a, of a, of a successful uh, startup. I mean, allow me not to mention the name. Um, a successful startup doing something in mobile. They are gathering a lot of travel-related content, and they are crawling that content over the Internet, mapping that into destination-specific information. They build a, a B2C mobile uh, app around it, and they're super successful meaning 10 million downloads. That is a success at that moment. Successful in downloads, but not necessarily successfully making money.
1: Right, that's what I was gonna ask. Like how, exactly. do they monetize, how do they monetize that?
0: Exactly, so they did try different business models, but there was not really money to be made through B2C at that stage. So when we took them into Amadeus Next into that program, um, Already from the first moment that we started talking to them, we, we said the reason why we take you in is not because what you are, not because you are a B2C company or have a great 10 million downloads, but because the way you have been gathering that information, that content. Now what if you could take that content, provide that through an API, then maybe we as a, we can get you in contact with our global network And maybe companies like Expedia or big travel agencies or big airlines or whatever could do something much more with that content. And they said, yeah, yeah, but we want to be a B2C company. We are a B2C company. (laughs) So eight months later, right? uh, I remember the phone very, very well. Uh, I'm talking to the CEO, and he is like a little bit embarrassed, saying, listen, Bart, we should have listened to you. Uh, what enough. do you mean? What do you mean? Well, yeah, but, you know, remember that discussion we had eight months ago when you said we're moving to B2B, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, two weeks ago, we kind of pivoted, and we tried it, and in the last two weeks, we signed up two uh, online travel agencies, and we're making money. That is eight months' loss. Right. And the reason why that is eight months' loss is because the, they're looking at it from a very narrow perspective. They do not know how the industry itself works, yeah. And on top of that, getting into that network of that industry, getting a CEO of uh, of, of of Make My Trip in, in 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 India, for instance, to really sit down with you is is, is kind of hard if you don't have the connection. And that is something that in those eight months they could have could have really solved by by listening a little bit more to seasoned experts and people with with the network.
1: Is that a good example, Mark? It's a great example. And so after that, did they... Because I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of these companies... So I, th- I think there are multiple reasons why a lot of people are afraid to sort of start a travel startup. And I think one of them is, you mentioned it, TripAdvisor or, um, or Expedia or even Agoda, right? And I think one of the things we talked about prior well, that's was... the other reason. Uh, was, that's right, that's I mean, the
0: other reason. I mean, it's... it's they are really big,
1: big companies. And very powerful and very data-oriented. And I think a lot of people just look at them and say, there's no way we can succeed in the travel space. But I think the other point is that a lot of companies are trying to reinvent the way um, travelers you know, book their travel, whether it's booking on the airlines, which seems to me to be like a solved problem, or book a hotel, which also seems to be a solved problem. And I'm just curious what your view is. For those types of things, and then when you after you talk about that, where should they be focusing? So where do you see the problems and the opportunities? And then how does how is Expedite going to solve some of those problems in the travel space?
0: Okay, so yes, uh, it is very clear that if you want to fight um, the big hotel change, the big online travel agencies, it's hard. On the other hand, I mean there is this little company that started like eight years ago, putting an airbed. In a room, asking eighty dollars for a breakfast. Really? Uh, you probably are. Look, I don't know you, what it's you called. know where I'm going to. <laughs> so this was at, initially it started like air bed and breakfast, and right. they were smart enough to call it Airbnb at the end. <laughs> um, the, the, I mean, this is also in a space, but they changed the business model. So this, this, this is very clearly that the industry itself. Has been there for a long time. It's, there are definitely conservative ways of doing business in the industry. Yeah. That can be disrupted and an Airbnb has proven that. Another thing, I mean, what is important is travel is not booking. Okay. If you look at travel and travel tech as only the online uh, players, that's a very, very narrow view of what travel is all about. Let me explain this. Travel in itself as an industry. Yeah is 10% of the global GDP. So you can imagine that, I think it's one in 11 people in the world that have work, work in travel. They don't all work with the Expedias of the world. They work in the back end of an airline. They're working at ground transportation, making sure that your luggage is in in, in, in your plane. They're working maybe in the restaurant of the hotel. All that Everything that touches the hospitality and the travel players, that is travel tech. And that is much broader than most people are looking at it. And that's maybe also then the reason why, why sometimes investors maybe look at it too, too narrow. Because also the investors have this experience of what holidays are and how they book travel. And yes, booking in a big way has been solved. But it doesn't mean that how you arrive to the booking, how you find the perfect trip, how you find the, 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 the one uh, flight that is still available but gets you there just in time is always easy. I'm sure, Michael, you know this as well. Um, if you're doing a a, a trip online, booking a, a travel online, I don't think you go to one site, do you? No, I don't ever
1: actually. And it's a great point because I'm now, as you know, we are doing a sort of six or seven city tour. And it requires me, this weekend, I'll be flying from Bangkok to Fukuoka, then from Fukuoka to Tokyo, from Tokyo to Shanghai, and then Shanghai to Bangkok. And and frankly, organizing that has been a massive time sink for me.
0: Exactly.
1: So, so I want somebody to solve that, but not just the booking. The booking actually ends up being relatively easy. It's the mm-hmm. finding all of the right pieces that I want to book.
0: Yeah, but then if, if that that is clearly a problem, and I think that... Everybody that has been looking online is considered that as a problem now How have startups been trying to solve this problem and then you come quickly to the trip planning startups all over the world and Trip planning is kind of a birth burnt. Sorry uh, ID because it's so far away from the booking process you do this three months in advance So the booking process is where you put down the money right right if you solve problems where, the, where there is no money or well, maybe you can't make money. And that has been proven. I mean, a lot of uh, trip planning startups have tried it, have made, created great technology to personalize trips, et cetera, for people. But ultimately, they die because they are not close enough to the money. Does that mean that these teams were bad? Does it mean that they created the wrong technology? I believe no. They were just thinking too narrow as, okay, if we solve the trip planning part, then automatically we will get the booking. Right. No no guys, this is not the way it works. There's much more to a booking than just clicking on an, on, on a button on, on on Expedia. Okay? What happens in the back end, etc, that's what the real stuff is. So with if they would have looked at it in a different way and saying, "Listen, we are now creating, for instance, machine learning, big data in order to really create a great technology that personalizes the trip for Michael when he's doing this complex trip. And rather than doing a user interface and putting a website online, we're providing this technology to the big incumbents. And don't forget, I mean, the Expedia's. yes, they have a lot of technology and they're, they're, they're investing a lot in technology, but they are also corporations. And I return back to my initial statement. They are a corporation as well. And also for them, it is hard to uh, innovate because they have to take care of their customers. And that also means that they are looking at specific points like increasing conversion, et cetera, but maybe not at the other angle. So how do you find
1: find that happy middle? Because again, I think you make a really great point, right? But so if it has to happen outside the corporations, this is something you said you experienced when you were Mm -hmm. working at Amadeus, but also I think you're right, TripAdvisor and even Agoda, their main focus kind of needs to be, how do I take conversions from, and I'm making up a number, yeah, from like 8% to 10%. So increase well, it by I think 25%, it was, yeah?
0: Yeah, if, if it was 8%, they would all be happy, happy, for happy. Sure. Yeah, the average is around, let's say, 2%. Correct. Okay, and these are the look-to-book ratios.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, fantas- I was fantasizing a little bit about 8%, but fair enough. Yeah. How
0: you, how you solve that also for these players? Well, when, when we started two years ago, when the, when this, there was nothing in travel tech. There was not, it didn't exist. The travel accelerator wasn't there. An incubator wasn't, wasn't there. It was all done inside the big corporations. Now, the last two years I've seen a lot of, let's say, corporate accelerators starting up. Uh, corporate accelerators starting up. A Marriott has done it. EasyJet has done it. Techn- uh, sorry, uh, AirAsia has done it. So a lot of them are starting up, but it's still within that corporate vision of that specific uh, corporation. A couple of VCs have been now starting to specialize in travel. Um, Most of them are in the Valley. Uh, One of them, for instance, is Tayer Ventures and and JetBlue Ventures, which is also related to JetBlue, of course. Right. Um, But what you don't see is this more generic uh, player that are looking at the different players, the online travel agencies and the airline and the hospitality and maybe the restaurants and maybe even ground transportation. Yeah? And that is, I think, where, where, where an expedite ventures is, is more looking at.
1: Okay, so tell me exactly what you're looking for, right? So you've spent two years traveling the region and you've got embedded 14 years of travel experience, which has to be well more than any other venture capitalist that's focusing on the space. Particularly in this region, I wouldn't, I you know, I wouldn't guess what their experience is in, in Silicon Valley. But I would say that, you know, you're just as good, if not better, than any of the people that are looking at this space. You set up Expedite Ventures. What are you trying to find, mm-hmm. and what are you expecting to find? And once you find it, are you going to? Ex, ex, I mean, it's it's in the name, right? But how do you how are you going to accelerate
0: them? Yeah, well, it's indeed in the in the name, and let's explain the name a little bit first, right. because you already say accelerate it. There is a big difference between accelerate something and expedite something. For sure, accelerate is focused on the speed, make it faster, and that's exa- exactly what an accelerator does. Okay, they take a startup in into their program and through mentorship and advising, they can accelerate, make it faster, so that the startup yeah, learns quicker. That's that's one thing. But does it mean that they they deliver quicker at the end? Are they actually being successful in the end, that's not the case. Not right. always the case. And, and, and we know that a lot of uh, accelerators have already stopped because they don't see that they actually can make a difference for the, for the startups. Oh, apart from, of course, the, the guys like a Y Combinator and, and others.
1: But that's rare, right?
0: It's, it's very rare. It's very rare. Then on the other hand, I mean, if you talk about expedite, expedite is succeed faster. So deliver at the end faster. So that it's more focused at the end. Then at the speed itself, and that's why I chose uh, Expedite Ventures as, as, as a brand. Now, how your question was also, what do you see based on your experience? Um, what is ongoing and what is coming up? Right. And of course, I mean, let's not deny the existing technology uh, that 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 is changing the world at the moment, right? And but that is a base. We're, we're looking at big data companies. We're looking at artificial intelligence, art, uh, augmented reality. Blockchain is, of course, an IoT. Now, all these things, if you look at it like this, then you could question yourself, how is that related to, to for instance, booking? Or well, maybe you can use this to personalize travel. Maybe you can uh, use AR to enhance the customer experience. Maybe you can uh, use uh, artificial intelligence to do some multimodal trips where you just say, listen, at 11 o'clock, I exit my house, and I want to be... In two days, in Berlin, tell me everything what I need to do. Take a taxi, uh, go to the airport, exit it, have the transfer, and everything booked in one. Okay. Um, blockchain. I mean, then we're touching the uh, uh, technology. But how do you go going to use blockchain in in um, in travel? Well, of course, travel is all about passports, about security. So there are a lot of security solutions, and, and a lot of startups are trying now with blockchain to 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 solve that problem. Now it doesn't mean that this startup that initially solves a problem for personal IDs on blockchain can o- can only be used in, for instance, banking or finance. So that's where some of these startups, if they see how big the industry is and and adapt to the industry as a whole, maybe that startup can then. Uh, well, start selling it also in the travel industry. So block, blockchain and per, uh, profile IDs are, are definitely things people should be looking at.
1: Right. So from a distributed ledger standpoint, you use the blockchain to sort of create IDs that cannot be um, sort of messed around with. And you, use, well, you build on top of that. Go ahead. Well,
0: don't you hate it when you come? Uh, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm living here in Bangkok. And, and the last time when I came here, I had to wait two hours and a half at immigration. Why?
1: I think, look, I think immigration policies globally are terrible. I don't think it's just in Bangkok, whether you're landing in New York City or Seattle or LAX. They
0: are, tra- they are tra- terrible, and that is correct, uh, Michael, but uh, just uh, not doing it is also an issue because, uh, because of all the terrorism and the security sure, in the world. Sure, sure. So just stopping it, is, it might not even be an, uh, a solution. But that, what if you could do this, for, for instance, up front? What if you could have your um, iris scan scanned, your fingerprint done, and up front you do the whole immigration process, so it's a full pre-check. At this moment, of course, in the U.S., there is already some pre-checks done, but like it states on, on, on the document, if you go to the U.S., it is not a right to enter the country. Now, if the whole pre-check is done and you have a gate and you can be recognized through, through your iris scan and on blockchain, is it's that secure that it's 100% certain that it's you, why should you wait? Just go through the gate in an instant. So tell me how that would work. Well, just go to KL. Uh, there is now a startup that we took in, by the way, uh, uh, in next. And, and I think they're, they're doing an amazing uh, job. It's called, they are called Border Pass. And they are actually doing this. It's not on the blockchain yet. Yeah. But they are doing the whole, uh, pre-immigration process so that you can just simply walk through a gate when you arrive through immigration. And they've installed very recently in KL airport uh, two of those uh, two or three of those uh, gates
1: so what does that mean that means before i leave my house when i travel i take a scan of my retina and they store it on a secure server
0: mm-hmm. yep. and then when I, right.
1: and then when i arrive in KL i'm pre-registered so my passport is essentially pre-registered when you book
0: when you book the travel yeah at that moment you are a profile that is recognized by border pass that means that the immigration gets all your information up front, can do a full check on this, and whether you can come into the country, whether or not, et etc. et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So that check has been done when the immigration, and it's not a stamp anymore, but it's a check, let's say. When they check it off, at that moment, you can just enter the country without going through, uh, through immigration itself.
1: Right, so what ends up, and I'm just curious, right, because I remember once, years ago, I traveled to Vietnam, When I entered Vietnam, they act because Americans were not allowed into the country. They literally stapled a piece of paper to my passport. And when I left Vietnam, they unstapled it. (laughs) And when I, I'm not kidding. So when I landed back in Tokyo, the Tokyo immigration said to me, Where were you? And where did you get stamped? And I had nothing to prove to them that I'd been anywhere. So I'm curious how this would work. Like, what happens to my passport? And when I come back to my home country, if it's not on the same border pass system, which is interesting in its own right, but when I come back to my home country, how do they know where I was?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, I mean the, the exact details, Michael, I, I'm not sure how that would work. Maybe okay, there okay. is still a step. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that part work. Okay. The thing is that if you do innovation, and this goes back to the initial point, if you do innovation, you are changing things that have been working for a while in a, dif- in a specific way. Right. That means that the, you will encounter those kind of problems. Look at Uber. I mean, they're not everywhere in the world because they have these problems and, and, and they need changes and sometimes it will take longer to, to, to change some legislation and that's definitely a hard part in the case of border pass because they've done it now in, in, in Malaysia and, but you definitely need governments uh, helping here. But I think everybody agrees that ultimately this is the way travel should be going. You take a flight like you take maybe a bus or a taxi. Just hop on, hop off and get out. Yeah, I mean, to me, this
1: so this to me is the Amman resorts of travel in the sense that you sit down at dinner at the Amman resort. They never ask you to sign a piece of paper. At kind of the end of your trip, you just sort of pay for everything, and everybody trusts everybody, and that's really the distributed trust which you're you're suggesting. In in the larger case, you know, goes onto the blockchain, which I have no problem with whatsoever. Do you think it changes? And we haven't spoken about this yet, but do you think it changes people's? Um, sort of views on privacy. In other words, you say everybody's information is fully shared. I have a view on this that says, if I've never done anything wrong, I'm not afraid of sharing my entire profile, particularly when I cross borders. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think younger people are actually way more comfortable with that than older people. This whole concept of privacy is kind of a relatively new idea. But mm-hmm. like, if I could make my travel easier, and I'll see this, right, because I should be going to Malaysia in November. But I'd love to be able to, like you said, get off a plane. The same way I get out of an Uber now, I don't pay anything. I just kind of get out and I walk away and everybody's happy. But I mm. think travel should be the same way. But I want to back, back up because for me, here's what I want to have happen. And this is like, like I said, it's hitting home for me today because I'm in the process of booking a very complicated trip. I really mm. want to go like this. And, and I, I do want an interface actually that's nice. But I do want the back end to be very sophisticated. And I want you to sort of walk me through how this should or would work from a startup perspective, right? So I say, I want to leave on Saturday and get to Fukuoka. I don't really care what time. I want to check in. I want to get from Fukuoka Airport to a hotel. I want that hotel to, you know, fall in a particular price range, let's say. And then I want to go to Tokyo, and then I want to stay there for a couple of days. And I want to go from Tokyo to Shanghai, and then Mm -hmm. and then from Shanghai back to Bangkok. And please, just send not you, right? But just send me an itinerary and have it be the most efficient itinerary so time wise but also have it be the most cost efficient right but what it also needs to do then in my mind is it needs to have access to all of my frequent flyer travel plans all of my credit cards because you know sometimes you put a credit card in and it doesn't take it for some reason and sometimes Mm -hmm. that reason is not really valid but you have access to all my credit cards you have access to all my frequent flyer mileage just book me the most efficient trip maybe also knowing that in three months i'm planning a trip to Norway and I yes. want to save my frequent flyer mileage for that if it's more if it's more effective use of it. But now I can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So is anybody well, addressing that problem? And is it addressable by technology in your mind?
0: Well, it's, it's definitely addressable by technology. Um, I mean, the pieces are there. Okay. Um, I In the 14 years working within I mean, the technology company in, in, in travel in the world, there is more technology available that is a then there is at this moment available in the market itself. Okay. Okay. So the pieces of the puzzle are there, but it is linking the, the pieces together that makes it. Because if you are landing in Fuoka, or you, so you want to take a taxi, the taxi the, or, or an Uber, right? Yeah, I mean. That means that that profile needs to be linked to your to your profile, maybe also in the hotel. Correct. Right, because the hotel wants to know that you are arriving in that Uber at that time. Why do I have to tell them what time I'm arriving? They they could know that if right. that booking is made. Right. Um, if after your your hotel, when you are checking into your hotel, the hotel could know that you uh, are a smoker or a non-smoker. Why do I have to tell them? Uh, that information ultimately has to pass through. So this is let's say. The 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 topic that I touched already, where big data, artificial intelligence, and personalization comes together. So that is one angle. Okay. Then is the, the the point that you mentioned on 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 privacy. Well, if people have a problem and they want this to be solved, in this case, for instance, then sometimes yes, you have to give up that information. Look at what what people are putting on Facebook. There apparently it's not a problem. But if you asking information from that person, same person. To help him make a better trip, then suddenly governments are coming in. No, you cannot do this. Um, you cannot use the information from one travel agency to b- bring that information to an airline, vice versa, etc. So that's where the, the ownership of that profile should be more ultimately with the um, with the person himself, so that he or she can decide whether she wants this problem solved or not. Um, looking at the way that the itinerary uh, is displayed I mean there are very nice itinerary and itinerary uh, tools available on the market but it's correct you have to make a booking on uh, on on one player then you have to forward maybe the mail to that mobile uh, to that mobile solution let's call it a, let's take tripit for example then you have uh, maybe a booking that comes from an airline greatly that is automatically in your in your uh in Tripit, Google now is definitely also doing it, so scanning through the emails now let's talk about privacy and what is that right. That goes even much much further
1: right much deeper right well that's
0: deeper exactly so um, frequent flyer credit cards all little bit the same and you see whether what I'm now talking I didn't think I really talked about booking itself no not at there all. is so many problems in the industry that need to be solved that can be solved that pieces of the puzzle are there Yeah. Yeah. And startups, and that's uh, definitely also a learning I had uh, working for Amadeus, is that don't come up with a new idea. The ideas are already there. In fact, a lot of startups are already executing partly 50, 60% of ideas or solutions that could solve these problems. But they don't see it, like that example that I gave. They had a great solution in providing you with all the information in Tokyo and in Shanghai on that specific de- destination. Right. But they were consistent saying, no, we want this person, Michael, needs to download our app. You don't want to download the app. You want to have the information. So that is definitely where, where, where I see that a lot of startups are solving part of the problem. And if they could just get some industry experts in, help them change the way they're looking at their solution and maybe pivot into a B2B or a B2C even uh, where ne- where necessary, then probably they will uh, scale quicker, expedite quicker to a Series A and off they go. Okay, so this gets me back to expedite ventures, mm-hmm. right? So, and I
1: think this is I where... So. I think I think exactly. And I think this is where... <laughs> I think exactly. I think this is where you and your team are really going to add a ton of value, right? So, I really want to go through this step-by-step step if you can. So I'm a startup, and I have 50 to 60% of the solution um, in place. And yep. maybe I'm just walking down the wrong street, like you said, for this startup you talked about before, where they just weren't B2B. They wanted to be B2C for some sort of fantastical reason. They were doing all this great data accumulation. And in the end, they couldn't monetize it. But if they had packaged it in a different way and then sold it like they started to do eight months later, um, how, like how do you take them in? What do you give them? What do you get in return? How much money do you need? Like, can you run me through the whole process that Expedite Ventures would give to a startup? How do yep. they benefit? You benefit all that kind of stuff. Because this does not feel to me like a regular venture capital company at all.
0: Well, it's it's definitely not. Um, so um, and uh, it is not a fund. It's not a pure venture capital. Right. Um, it's very simple. Money doesn't guarantee success, Michael. No, Execu- not at all. Ex- execution does. For sure. Okay. Good. So these startups have like 50, 60% of a certain solution. Now, if they ultimately, and, and, and the numbers are the numbers, you know, the 95% of the startups die and they all start die in this value of debt. And that is ultimately around or just before series eight, that's where most of the startups die. Yes. Investors might say, well, if they die, that's already the bad ones uh, are already gone. So I only have to invest in the good ones. Correct. In Series A, that is a very correct statement. But I'm, I've seen great technology that is now lost to the world because that startup did not have the right connection with a certain person. This was a, maybe he needed another CEO. Maybe he needed another CTO at that stage. Right. Well, if you come in, as an, and what Expedite Ventures is going to do is a hybrid model. So one, end, we will be investing in the startups. And on the second hand, we will co-build it with them by using the expertise of our teams as well as the network of that team, like I explained before, but also by providing them a shared services platform. Why should startups um, just, just take a simple, a, a simple example, a CRM tool. Every startup needs a CRM tool. They're all wasting a lot of time just finding the right CRM tool. And ultimately they come out with all different CRM tools. Well, as experts in a certain industry or whatever, you could make those selections for them as well and say, "Listen, this is the best C&M tool. This is the best uh, um, legal firm that we can find in 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 that specific country. Uh, let's all use these accounting firms." In this way, you create economies of scale, so it's a much more efficient use of the capital of the investors. Okay. Okay. So that is, let's say, the the model itself. I've been looking a, a little bit on, okay, w- is there something comparable? And there is. Uh, it's called the Startup Studio model. Uh, um, I think there are a couple in the world. Uh, the most known one, uh, two known ones, are uh, Science in the U.S., right. um, known as the uh, Dollar Shave Club uh, Unicorn that ultimately came out of that Startup Studio. And then, of course... Um, Rocket Internet. The thing is with those, they start from the ideation phase. Like, I, But like I said, the ideas are already out there. So that's why I would rather call what Expedite Ventures is, more a venture studio where we invest in the venture itself. But in an operational and shared services model, we, we co build with these startups. The big players, if you look at some notable portfolio operators, and I was very much... Um, Astonished to see that uh, Andreessen Horowitz, of course, at a different scale that I'm going to start with, uh, Andreessen Horowitz is, in fact, a portfolio operator. They have an entire shared services operating platform. They're providing not only advice like an accelerator, not only money like a VC, but also a full shared services platform to their startups. Right. Google Ventures recently launched an AI studio. Just go on the Internet and see what it is. It is a venture studio. First round capital, FF venture capital in New York, same thing. And the thing is that they've been looking at, there is not enough data at the moment available for such a model, but it is clear that these are in the top quartile of of the return on investment.
1: Right. So Anderson Horowitz is actually a really good example. It's one of the sort of foundational firms in Silicon Valley. They do maintain, like you said, because they have a shared services model. They do have a gigantic number of staff, though, that are affiliated with that model. So how do you handle it from, as, because Expedite Ventures itself, in a way, is, a, is kind of a startup in the sense it's, like you said, it's not starting at the same scale that Anderson Horowitz started. Although, to be fair, they didn't start at the same scale at which they're operating now either.
0: But they're oh, But Andreessen but they, had one, I mean, Andreessen and Ben had, 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 of course, one big advantage, which I don't know. They had already millions from previous ventures. Well, sure. They had, uh, they had
1: Mark Andreessen and they had Ben Horowitz. <laughs> so that's very different. But, but again, you know, and, and remember, they were reviled and still are not loved in the, in the Silicon Valley community because they do operate at, at a scale that's different than everybody else. And they also invest at valuations that are different as well. Mm-hmm. But like, so how do you, how does Expedite Ventures itself, how do you implement that model? From the get-go, how do you staff it up, in, in other yep. words, right? So how does that's, that work?
0: That's a good, that's a good question, how do you staff it up on, 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 from the start? Well, uh, the start itself, of course, you cannot um, start and then immediately say, okay, let's, uh, let's start with 20 people. No. That's why we also will initially not start with uh, targeting 20, 30 startups. So initially, the uh, expedite Ventures will look at investments in the next two to three years into 10 startups. That, that's the first thing. Got it. Secondly, um, don't forget it's the startups ultimately that need to be successful. So the staffing also happens a lot in those startups. It is just what initially Expedite Ventures is going to do is also taking existing waste away that is already available in the startup. Like I said, it can be recruiting, it can be uh, accounting or legal. So more basic uh, operating services that, thing is that, in order to do that in the beginning, you don't need to really have a staff of five, six, seven people. What do you need you Well you need a good a couple of good extra external partners that help you, but because you do this on an economy of scale, you do it much more efficiently. You make a good choice because you are an expert uh, with 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 the team you have expertise in this, you make the choices and then explain with the startups together. Say, guys, okay, so what is your legal? Okay, this is the one here. We have a deal now with this legal firm, yeah, that all the startups of Expedite Ventures will get X number of credits to be used in legal services. Hmm. If that startup would go to that same legal firm, he would not get it.
1: On their own, right, because there's no concept of them getting um, economies of scale from just one company. The idea is if they have an agreement with you that your startups will then get the economy exactly. of scale benefit. And
0: um, at this moment, I have been, I mean, because I'm just at the, we're just a month and a, and a half, let's say, down the road. Um, a lot has happened. So the initial fund that I'm raising is 10, 15 million. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Two and a half has been secured. A um, couple of partners are already on board. Um, like, for instance, an Amazon is already, uh, I- interested to provide extra uh, services to Expedite Ventures. Um, some industry players are providing extra APIs, preferred partnerships. So that's a platform that the startup in its own will not get access to. And that's where the real value, if you want uh, money, don't come to Expedite Ventures. Well, if you want only money, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, in my mind,
1: and I've said this to you directly before, and I'll say it, um, when I'm being recorded, and that is, money to me is a commodity. And if all you want is money, then you're really, you're, you're literally barking up the wrong tree if you go to, to really talented people, because if you really want money that, and that for lack of a better term, you want money that's really smart and that has experience behind it, because otherwise that whatever you raise, whether it's a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars is just going to get wasted, I think
0: exactly and th- there is enough money in the world so if you only want money you will find it or not and if you don't find it then probably you are not good enough
1: yeah fair enough but, but you also want to we can to make
0: access. you better yeah. and that's what expedite venture we will can make you better it might be that your 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 technical platform is correct but you don't have the right access to a certain industry player or whatever we can make that better so by the time you're really going for the money series a yeah correct. you are not Anymore an MVP that is proven with a couple of customers, but you're actually a business. Right, you're actually a and that's business. That's exactly what exactly, and that's what what Series A is looking for.
1: Right. So for, again, for my money, Series A is just something to fund growth. It's not you're not you're no longer experimenting, and that's more of a seed stage and an angel investing
0: stage. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, okay, but that's then the problem. man. Eh? in, in yeah. the seed stage, what do you have? There is not really an enabler in the super, super early stage you have the enablers, the incubation and the acceleration. Right. So but then, in that stage of of early stage, you have the the seed capital, and yeah, like like 500. I mean, I I admire what they've been doing, and they're doing a, a good job. But that is looking at many, many, many startups making a lot of small but bets. Sorry, and one or two unicorns will pay the loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you even look at their expected return profile, it's not it's not that stellar. And I think that that's um, again, I think it's aspirational. We can talk for hours, I think, about whether their investment model is going to work and whether it's going to outperform other investment models. My feeling on this, the short answer
0: for me is no. Purely on the numbers, I mean, they are proving, let's say, they are proving yes, Michael, but that's purely on the numbers. But the, the thing is, that is the problem with that is you need a lot of money to invest small bets on many many startups. That's why they call 500. They are, I think now 1500 startups invested. Yeah. More and I, yeah. I it definitely it is, it is definitely a good model. I, I, I strongly believe it. I've seen the numbers. Yeah. yeah I've seen the numbers. But as well, it but... doesn't necessarily expedite innovation. It doesn't necessarily solve all the problems. You will have, still have and 95% of those startups will die. They will, and,
1: and I also think that startups that actually get invested from 500 startups, that there are, and similar businesses, right? Or similar investment, uh, businesses. I think what you'll see is some of them that actually could have survived and could have thrived won't because the expected, the services that they've expected to get from such a large ecosystem of investments won't be there for them. And in that sense, it seems to me that something like Expedite is a better location for them. And I guess the, the other question is, and again, that's my opinion, right? And we can argue mm-hmm. back and forth about the statistics mm-hmm. that 500 publishes. I think I've probably seen the same numbers mm-hmm. that you have. Um, but I believe that there are jewels and gems inside of that, those investments that just get ignored. And
0: well, reason- it's not ignored. I mean, if you have to manage 1,500 startups, point. and yes. I think this is the model. And, and again, I don't want to say anything negative about it, but I, even more, I think expedite Ventures can partner, is partnering and will partner. With venture capital as well. Yeah, for sure. Because you cannot manage the 1500 as you do 10 or 15. Not so maybe the, the, the VCs that have certain portfolio could say, listen, okay, so we have invested in this startup. Now we don't have the industry expertise. Let's see if rather than uh, having the startup spend the money on whatever, yeah, let's bring them under, under a venture studio like Expedite Ventures. At least we know how the model is done how the connections are made in that specific vertical and yeah and then uh, we'll scale those uh, startups quicker to series a yeah
1: i mean i guess we can agree to disagree on whether the 500 model is actually useful for everybody that's in it but yeah. but that's okay i guess the, i guess my last question for you is before i let you go is is this going to be we can and we can talk more because I do have more questions. But I guess the last really big question is for Expedite: Is it travel only focused, or will you branch out from travel and do other things where you feel like you can add value?
0: Yes. Well, I think thank you for that question. I think it's an, um, it's the question that uh, when I was I'm talking to investors, uh, serious investors with a lot of uh, cash uh, looking to invest in in this, they like the model. They really like the whole model of. the the hybrid model of investment and and co-building. Right. What they have a problem with, and that's, again, coming back to what I said earlier, does it need to be travel tech only because it's narrow? Well, first point there, travel tech is not narrow. Right. So that I think I which, hope is, the have, point, which is the point that. you've
1: made earlier to me. I mean, that's, yes, that's exactly. That's so the that big I, question. I, I, is if if sorry, can I just interrupt you for a second? But if ten sure. percent, if ten percent of the world's GDP is in travel, then it's not that narrow. And second, if eleven percent of the world's population is in a business that touches travel, then it's not narrow. <laughs> sorry. Well, I just want to say I explicitly. have other I
0: have other figures to prove it. It's uh, three nine percent mean... is the growth. Uh, so it's the second highest growth market in the world.
1: Yeah, and it's and uh,
0: the, the the number that most investors do forget. More than 10% of the unicorns are travel. Right. So the point is, it's not narrow. but I'd say It's not narrow. Right. But I do understand the reasoning why they come. So that's the thing. Now, what is for me the ultimate vision is proving this model. Right? Right. Proving this hybrid model. Now, if I'm about to prove this model with an operational shared services platform, then I can prove it in multiple industries. I would be stupid in doing it in an industry that I don't know. Okay? So, looking into travel tech being a first market, travel tech and tourism, uh, travel and tourism tech is big enough, it's growing, it's one of the growing uh, um and we are expert in the domain, so that would be a good market to do it in. If we prove that, then obviously it's going to exactly because I've seen when I was in the valley a couple of times, I mean, if you look at the big and that these are accelerators, huh? The rocket spaces, uh, the plug and plays, uh, yeah, the plug and play, for instance, yep. they are huge, huge companies, big companies that are really harnessing a lot of startups in different domains. Now, if gets With Gaspedized Ventures model works, then you can branch out into fintech. What the, do I, am I an expert in fintech? No. But at that moment, the model has been proven right. and we will find serious experts in fintech or in health tech or in education tech. Right. So that is, let's say, the, the longer-term vision of Expedite Ventures. Uh, in, two, three, in three years, let's say, we should have proven the model in travel tech. And at that moment, the, the, the investors in Expedite as a venture studio will, of course, will uh, go into other uh, industries.
1: But right. in Interestingly enough, like in my mind, I don't think... You, uh, to me, you don't have to prove the model, right? I mean, Anderson Horowitz on its own, has proven it, but you also have, like you said, science, you have plug-and-play, you have Rocket, which even though recently they haven't as much success as they have at the beginning, the model itself actually does work, but you also have Betaworks in New York that has Mm -hmm. done sort of the same thing. They've taken smaller companies and they've expedited their growth by using the expertise that they have in-house. And I Mm -hmm. agree with you, right? Like, the business model works and if the business model works, there's no reason why you can't, for lack of a better term, branch out into other I won't even say verticals, but other sectors, right? Because mm-hmm. finding the experts there and slotting them into a working business model is easier, actually, than going out and getting the expertise yourself, I think, if that's fair. Exactly.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Interesting. So when do you think you start investing, if you don't mind me asking? 1st <laughs> well, first,
0: Let's first uh, close the fund. Okay. Um, Darn, okay. Our, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could start tomorrow. Okay. So, like I told you, we have a two and a half, uh, commitment, uh yeah. commitment that is there. Um, but in my specific case, I'm also looking at making the opportunity good enough to give the total runway of three years. Right. Okay. Right. And in order to do that, the 10 to 15 million is the, is the number I'm looking for. Um, why the three years? Because I've not only took the risk of leaving a very executive position at, at, at a great company, but I'm also looking at doing it in Asia because, again, I mean, travel, the entire industry growth of travel is, is in Asia. So why not do it here then? That's the best place. Now, that also would mean relocation of the family, etc. So the, the family, uh, we, we discussed it uh, multiple times. And, and, and that is one of the things that we need to do. But, of course, we will first do this when the uh, opportunity is big enough. So the idea to, to really answer your question, um, we're looking at it like a startup. The first two months was the initial uh, end of August was sort of like, okay, where are we? I've seen enormous uh, traction at the moment, more than I expected. Um, talking with a lot of players, the, a lot of uh, partners, also Thai government, uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So the extension is there. Uh, the whole point is now by the end of October, November, that we will close enough to start. So let's say by the end of the year, we should start investing. Perfect. And can I ask you one more question?
1: And it it gets back to this, um, you know, is travel too tight an opportunity and not wide enough? And we disagree on that. I mean, you and I agree on that. We disagree with some of the people that you've spoken to, but I agree with you it's not because it is so large. But also, what's your view on building something regional versus building it first in, because you're in Asia, right, in one country where... you you can build let's just talk about it in very specific terms should I build a country should I build a company if I'm committed to Thailand should I build that company in Thailand first and then once and once I own it then blow it out to the rest of the region or should I get some traction in Thailand and then should I go into Malaysia Indonesia you know Singapore Mm. and the Philippines like what's your view on that
0: yeah Uh, Well, I uh, recently had that uh, discussion also with the NIA in Thailand so the National Innovation Agency part of the Ministry of Science and Technology because I'm talking with them as well so one of the things that Specifically, Thailand. This is one of the problems that, that that maybe Thai startups have. They're looking too much into solving Thai problems. That is definitely something that needs to change. And do you start somewhere? Yes, in one country, probably yes. But you should be solving prob- problems more on an international, global, regional level, rather than only country country specific. That is that is for sure. The government here in Thailand has they definitely ag- acknowledges that. And it's looking at, uh, at 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 subsidizing, providing grants to really doing education, evangelizing, etc. To really look at these Thai startups in this in in this case, yeah, and help them look beyond the borders. Now, the discussion I had and, and we agreed on this with uh, with NIA was that by just educating people, they will not necessarily change. But that's where also again in Expedite Ventures, I mean, within the travel tech area, if we will have startups from throughout Asia Pacific, can be Indian startups, startup from Hong Kong, Singapore, etc., they will be working together, and if you can then fertilize that with the Thai startups that are doing something in travel, they will not only be taught how to look externally or in, 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 into another country, but they will be working together with uh, international uh, teams. So that will, of course, again, uh, expedite and speed up the the way that the startups, in this case, will be looking more on an international level.
1: Got it. Okay, look, that was really informative for me, again, just coming back and touching base on all these topics with you. I really want to thank you. So I want to thank Bart Bellers, the founder and the CEO of Expedite Ventures. You have a completely different business model, innovative business model on top of, you know, it's not just venture capital, it's venture building. And I'll be curious to continue to follow how this goes. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at
1: www.asiatechpodcast.com.